Society 13 Podcast Network. Redefining Podcasts. Society-13.com I like to listen. Welcome to Channel 9 of the STRY Radio Network, where stories live. to this podcast. Be aware, this show often uses very naughty language. If you don't like that, you shouldn't listen. Send your complaints to I am a whiny baby with no sense of humour at nightstory.com or stop by the studio. I'll take you for a ride to a story of my choosing. Welcome to the Ninth Story Podcast. I'm Jeanette Andromeda. And I am Immortal Alexander. And uh, what the Ninth Story is now that we are taking over um, from Dan Foytek, may he rest in the Wicked Library. Have taken over. <laughs> we have taken over. Um, the Ninth Story is going to be continue to be an exploration in storytelling and um, talking to the people who are creating story. But we're going to take it to darker places because we love horror. <laughs> yeah, we're going to keep it consistently horror. So anything with a horror narrative we'll be covering. Mm -hmm. And um, instead of just the interview, we're going to expand this a little bit more and take kind of an artistic twist to it. So every episode will open with a story written by Immortal Alexander or myself. Um, more often Immortal Alexander, because I am so much more nervous about sharing my written work, but that is part of why we are here, to help me deal with my issues and uh, help Alex continue to share his stuff, which is also good. And oh my goodness, this is a really long-winded thing. But uh, so basically every episode we'll be uh, sharing a story that we create that is uh, inspired by or is similar in tone to the author that we'll be interviewing, along with sharing a clip of their work. Yep. So, story time, interview, clip, expanded interview. That's going to be our format for now. Talking to storytellers about making stories. <gasps> wow, you said it so beautifully and Oh, concisely. thank you. Uh, I, get a, I get a banana sticker. Gold banana sticker. Gold banana stickers. Um, okay, do you want to try this again now that we actually got I the I like where we are. This is great. Oh. I love flubs. Well, then, y'all get to keep it. And uh, so the uh, story I'll be – wow, I'm so good. Here we go. Uh, the story I'll be sharing today is a story I wrote called The Night Whisperers, which is on HorrorMade.com. H-O-R-R-O-R-M-A-D-E. Yes, we are making horror. <laughs> and I write that – I write stories there every week, and Jeanette makes Horror Haikus Day and a lot of other creepy fun stuff. So enjoy that, and for right now, enjoy The Night Whisperers. By Immortal Alexander Voices in your head are usually a bad thing. Take this pill, they say. Just swallow and it will all go away. What if it doesn't? I ask the nurse politely as she places the pill in my hand. She says nothing, shoving a small paper cup of water in my face. She is old and unkept. Probably hasn't washed her mismatched blonde curls in weeks. Crooked red lipstick smeared on yellowing teeth and weak old stains on a uniform. Martha, it says on her fading name tag. Shit. She caught me staring. She doesn't look very happy. What if the voices don't go away, I ask once more as I swallow down the medicine. Still no reply. She gestures with her hand to the staff, and they drag me away. I don't protest. I just keep looking at Martha and waiting for her answer as my feet drag in front of me. She folds her arms and smirks as I disappear down the hallway. Filthy and unprofessional. That's what she is. I, on the other hand, take great care in my appearance. I bathe daily 
keep my dark hair neatly combed to the left, and always keep my nails short. The two oafs that are dragging me are actually quite polite. The dark-haired one is Nathan, I believe, and the ginger is... Hmm, let's call him Opie. As I said, they are actually polite gentlemen, if not very talkative. They don't call me names or judge me. They just do their job silently and without complaint. My paper cup falls to the floor, but I don't complain. I've been fiddling with it like a worry stone until I forgot what I was doing and lost my grip. When I arrived in my room, I sat quietly waiting for the chittering in my head to cease. The staff looks on as I bat at the air. I just want it to stop. It doesn't. I stare out the rusty barred window held by concrete slabs and I remember the first time I heard them calling to me. I was a boy no older than five when the voices began reaching for me, clawing from the outside traces of my mind and burrowing deeper into my subconscious every day. I was tossing and turning in my bed, yanking my sheets to and fro until I crashed upon the bedroom floor, wrapped up like a cocoon made of bed sheets. I woke with a start from my nightmare, and in the dark, my dream was still there. As if projected out from my imagination, a million tiny insects covered every inch of my room, wall to ceiling. They did not seem solid like real bugs, more like black and white static from a television. They crawled and creeped with electric buzzing that transformed to chittering, and eventually to some sort of insect-like language that my tiny mind could not comprehend. And then eventually, it did. Nathan! Nathan, what are you doing, Nathan? What are you, Nathan? I did not know what I should say in reply. The voices were now so clear that I was now less annoyed and much more fearful. What do you want? I exclaimed. I did not realize I had been so loud. My mother and father burst into the room. They found me on the floor, shook me, and asked if I was all right. I wasn't. I could never be the same again. By the time I was 13, I found myself here, in this asylum for what my mother called special people. I felt special all right. Especially fucked, that is. They may have left me behind, but I was never alone. One evening, after one of my episodes, where I was being particularly rambunctious, I found myself in a sweat-stained straitjacket, strapped to a table, and the nasty nurse hovering over me, applying a cool gel to my temples. As I stared at the yellowing ceiling, I began to tune in to what I assumed was the electric buzzing from the harsh fluorescent lights overhead. I could hear the nurse dunking something into water. But even that sound was being drowned out by the electric buzz that seemed more rhythmic than usual. She returned, pressing something cold and wet against the side of my head, blocking the light and staring down at me dispassionately. She began tightening the wet contraption, and the pressure it applied to my skull grew tighter and more painful. The elf Nathan held me down while Opie stretched my mouth wide, shoving a piece of wood between my lips and forcing my jaw to bite down. Then, he patted me on my head and said, Don't. Let. Go. In an oddly commanding tone. The taste of dirty wood was not very pleasing. The nurse disappeared into the corner of the room once again, where I can hear her twisting and flicking knobs and switches. The buzzing of the lights was now drowned out by a much louder electric hum. Then, in that very moment, before the final switch was flicked, the chittering grew loud inside my mind. I stared up, and the heads of the two oafs transformed from lumbering morons to something more beautiful. Something more akin to the heads of strange giant moths for a brief moment. They chittered and chirped amongst themselves as their antenna 
twitched and wiggled. I smiled through the block of wood and drooled a bit. My eyes went wide and a tiny laugh sent spittle flying everywhere. Martha was not amused. But this didn't matter. The lights went bright, then sizzled and popped. Blackout. Opie, Nathan, and Martha scurried about like roaches searching for the breaker. The chittering grew as loud as a million fluttering moths, and I could actually feel their wings brushing against my skin. Then something even stranger happened. The sensation on my skin felt less like fluttering and more like flying. When Nathan finally flipped the breaker and the lights came back on, the table was empty. A few small gypsy moths were fluttering out of a crack in a small window towards the full moon in the clear night sky. The staff looked dumbfounded. Martha peered out the window, and what she saw she could not explain. A gathering of flying insects flying towards the moon, in the formation and the shape of a man. A voice rang in her head low and whispering. Take your medicine, and the voices will go away. Thank you so much for listening to my short story, The Night Whisperers. And now, on to our interview with Lane Lloyd from The Sable Podcast. And awkward silence. Anyway. <laughs> She's doing the intro. We, we oh just, we goodness. just, we literally just took over this podcast from Dan Foydick. <laughs> Uh, recently, and this is our second time recording. We just got all oh, this. Wow. Our, our, we have all this equipment. We got the board, the mics, everything. Road po- uh, microphones gave us some microphones, and now we get to try and use them. And so gonna, yeah, yeah. Uh, welcome <laughs> everybody. This Thank you. is. I'll read your Yes, nice and clean. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> welcome everybody. This is the ninth story. I'm Jeanette. I'm Immortal Alexander. You're Jeanette Andromeda. Oh, yeah. I should add my other name there. That might be important. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is the best intro. We're professionals. um, I feel like this works really well with the style of outro that you have. And by you, I mean our guest today, which is Lane Lloyd, everybody. Well, hi. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Lane. (laughs) We've been coming in. Yeah. Am I coming in too loud or no? no you sound excellent, and we just <laughs> okay. been you know we've been just creeping on you forever on on the social medias, and now we get to talk to you on on you know in, in kind of in person. It feels like it's in person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, you're technically in my home, so yes. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. Very creepy. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, we we're talking to Lane Lloyd uh, from the podcast Sable, uh, which is a. Uh, continuing story like a uh like a serialized would you would you call it lane yeah yeah it's uh i would say it's serialized it's uh it's not twilight zone no. uh it does tell one uh continuing story although it's kind of sometimes it gets a, to be a bit of a mess if i'm honest <laughs> Um, the way I, I like to describe it as a single narrative horror fiction podcast that kind of explores a splintered reality mm-hmm so kind of all the that's same actually, story. That's actually way better than anything I could come up with. So. <laughs> Sometimes it's easier to have someone else define what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to get a second person in for my elevator pitch is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah or just someone help. else to write it. <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, all right. No, just the elevator if, if pitch. If that's you're it. willing. <laughs> just the elevator pitch. Just maybe. the I elevator pitch. Um, I, oh, I found it. that with okay. like, my stuff, too. <laughs> it's like Dan Foytek was really good at just kind of saying, like, well, you do this. And like, oh, I have a definition. <laughs> wow. Not not artistic jellyfish. No. That, that's more no. yeah, what I would call myself. And people go, what does that mean? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> stick around. Let's find out. <laughs> Uh, so today we're, we're yes we're interviewing Lane Lloyd of the Sable Podcast and he's the creator of this podcast and and creator means writer producer narrator all of the things all of the things um, which, yeah I yeah. I joke that I I the only thing I don't do is the music because 
which is not necessary, which I think is excellent. Like I, I hear a lot of other, we listen to a lot of other podcasts like the No Sleep and the Wicked Library. And, and um, I know Dan now is switching to sometimes doing it without music at all. Uh, and I, you know, at first it's odd because you get used to it. And with your podcast, I didn't know, um, how I was going to feel about it. Cause I said, I came in, you know, listening to the first episode and uh, after, um, having a, you and I being on, on the Wicked Library, Chris, Ma- Wicked Library, Chris Massacre episode, I know English. <laughs> and, and, uh, I was like, you know, let me, let me take a look at what you got going on. And I was checking out the podcast from the very beginning. Cause I started off at the Christmas special. And I'm like, wait, no, 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 I got to go back. And uh, or one of the later episodes, something which I think it was the Christmas es- episode with cheeses. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that's the Christmas Jesus. episode. And I was like, okay, I don't know what this is. So I'm gonna start at the very beginning, and then I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And then I got and I was listening to it, and I was so enthralled in how, without any music at all, you had me, you know, captivated. I didn't need any any fluff. It was just your voice and and the story and and the weight of the story itself that really kept me going through. Oh well, thank you, because that was that was actually one of my biggest fears going in and it's still why if someone asks me i don't i don't consider sable an audio drama because that holds a certain connotation Mm -hmm. like oh there's going to be sound effects or there's going to be music through the whole thing and i don't do that because i am fucking terrified of audio editing (laughs) which is cool i mean i i I, when i was really enthralled by it especially because we uh we started off doing a uh, horror web series uh together a, a you know an actual like a television show we, we did this uh-huh. YouTube thing and we put a lot of production value into it and it was super stressful and you have so many different things you have to juggle uh, when you're doing something like almost like in a television format um, that you, you, when it doesn't come together, it's just super like just knocks you off, off your, off your feet because you just put all this work and effort into it and then things aren't coming together the way you want them to. Whereas yeah. when, when you're just, it's just your voice and it's just your writing. I thought that was just so intriguing. And I'm like, it's now inspiring me to want to take what I did already and turn it into an audio drama type of uh, format for, in, in on, uh, on as a podcast. Cause I was like, this is, this could work. This is excellent. I think you should. I think everybody should have a podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, most people do, I guess. <laughs> if you look at iTunes, everybody has a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but it just makes like finding ones that are interesting uh, even easier now because there used to be like for the longest time all I could find was like the Nerdist and uh, 99% or something like that. 99% Invisible. It was all the NPR stuff. That was all I could find. And then eventually I was like, oh, hey, greater internet beyond iTunes. What do you have for me? And then I found amazing things. (laughs) See, because I actually have a little bit of the reverse where I'm finding too many of like, Oh, we're just two white dudes talking about geeky things uh-huh. that somehow became the, this is what the majority of iTunes is now. <laughs> but yeah. it actually took me a while to find, uh, it took me forever to find night Vale. Night Vale mm-hmm. was, you know, I had to wait until it was already 20 episodes in before I started hearing about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and, it it definitely took a while for that to come that to to kind of spread out, but once it did, it was like a wildfire for that show. Oh yeah, it's everywhere now. Like uh, people who never listened to podcasts before talk about that. It's just part of our culture now somehow. And and for yeah. those who are unfamiliar with Welcome to Night Vale, it's kind of like Twilight Zone but like satirical. Uh and and it's just a really great absurdist uh what else would you you would describe it as, Jeanette? Lovecraftian, Definitely absurdist. Definitely a Lovecraftian comedy oh, yeah. talk show <laughs> 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 with multiple storylines going on. And um, it, it's we love it so much. We actually went and saw it live. Uh, was it in uh, Connecticut or New York? I can't remember. We were all the way up in at the Egg in upstate Albany, New York. That's right. Oh, geez. I've been <laughs> wanting to go to a live show forever. That just seemed like that would be so much fun. It's definitely worth it. Yeah, it's people worth people it. there were a lot of fun to talk to, and it was a great crowd, and it was definitely a different experience live. So now uh, now that we're chatting about Nightville, words are totally my first language. We did miss a question, though, which a is... A lot, which hey, is the hey, start. Lane, hey, Lane, how are you doing today? <laughs> Uh, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay if that's a difficult question. <laughs> we can pass in, it. 
in in these times, it's it's been a difficult question. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Uh, I I'm I'm still alive. I'm still living in some form of reality. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's good. How are you guys? feel very similar <laughs> yeah yeah most definitely there's a lot of a lot of bad things happening uh right now and and uh we hope those things start to balance out i know that today uh the president was signing the uh dakota access pipeline an executive order on that which may completely uh push through legal law to just get things going on that which I, we don't want to get too political but it's definitely something that i've tapped into on our on our uh, our blog the uh, horrormate.com blog i did a poem on that one one week and uh mm-hmm. it was definitely something i was reacting to about all the violence going on down there ah god i when i saw that today i was just uh, <laughs> i want to get off this ride i just want to get off this ride <laughs> canada you're so difficult but, to get into <laughs> you know like, I, I think that like through um just us being good to one another and trying to create a positive space and do things locally i think we could really make a better impact i mean definitely i want to continue to support those folks and 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 with the uh, uh you know uh with standing rock and all that to be help that keep going and and uh hopefully we can get something positive out of that but if we don't you know we can tell continue to you know go forward in our lives and create awesome things and make people smile and yeah i mean at the end of the yeah, like at the end of the day, it's going to be up to us to to make any sort of positivity out of all of this, mm-hmm. which is what I'm trying to tell myself every day. Because <laughs> Jesus, yeah, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. But Jesus. On, a, <laughs> on a positive note, we're gonna we're gonna uh, play a little clip right now uh, from the uh, Sable podcast, and so you guys get an idea of what we're talking about today, and then we'll get right back into the discussion. A flash. And now Sable was standing in the armory, getting fitted for her new flight suit. She had dreamed about having one of these since she was a little girl, though she didn't realize until now just how hard it was to fit into this. The underlayers were made to be almost skin-tight, but skin-tight to the Paragons was three sizes too small. Then came the actual plates of armor that snapped onto the underlayer, keeping her trapped inside a tin can, essentially. Everything was so smooth and glistening in the light. She had asked for her nickname to be engraved onto the chest, gold letters spelling out Crow for everyone to see. How does it feel? Commander Hudson grumbled as he stood before her, barrel arms crossed over one another. I feel like I'm a sausage, sir, she remarked, squirming in place. Do they really have to make these things so tight? All Hudson did was nod, leaving her to sigh. Well, how does it look anyway? Hudson moved about her, examining every inch of the suit before clapping his hands together. I think you look like you're ready for your first solo patrol. Sable made a sound, but he continued before she could speak. We're sending you to a relatively safe area. We just need you to look about, make sure the local den is secure, and then you can head back home. Easy as that. Just make sure you aren't caught by any of the locals, and you should be fine. Sable felt her heart skip inside her chest. Her first solo patrol? Everything was moving so fast she could barely hold on. It would be an honor, Commander Hudson. Thank you for the opportunity. Now she saluted, her heart still thumping inside. Thank me by succeeding, Crow. You have a lot of potential, and I think this will more than prove it to the council that you're ready to play with the big kids. Are you ready? More than ready, sir, she blurted out. More than ready. Everything had gone wrong. Halfway through the jump, her suit had malfunctioned, nothing working to prevent her from free-falling thousands of feet in the air. She couldn't even scream anymore as she planted into the ground, her body rocking around inside the armor. The shock absorbers were the only thing that kept her alive, and even then she was just barely passing. Most, if not all, of her bones were broken, twisted in horrific fashions. Though she couldn't see it, she could feel her broken ribs piercing her flesh. It hurt to breathe. It hurt to think. Hell, even her eyes were filling with tears as the little light that poked through her helmet was too much. Her body squirmed about desperately, every motion hitting her with impossible pain that brought her to the point of passing out. She wanted Joe and Ezzie to take care of her, to hold her as she breathed her last bits of life, broken on foreign soil. She didn't even notice the five people moving to tower over her, all looking down at her with crooked smiles. Here she is, brothers and sisters. One spoke out, leaning down to grab her broken body. Here's our angel. 
Oh man, what a wild ride! I forgot I wrote that. <laughs> we sound very natural and not rehearsed at all. Actually, someone pointed out I uh, I do sometimes forget what I what I wrote um, because people have been asking me, "Oh, hey, what is uh." What does Sable look like? And I was like, and for whatever reason, I've just come up in my head that, oh, she's a redhead. You know, that she's a redhead. Uh, someone pointed out, uh, motherfucker, you, you named her Crow because she had black hair. And I sat there for a day and I was like, no, this person's lying to me. That's not true. I, I know what I wrote. I look over my manuscripts and I'm like, well, shit, she's right. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> with, with, but the thing is, with the multiverse thing and all that, I think that that kind of covers it. You know, I mean, I could have, I could have made that mistake. I could have made that excuse, but I feel like I would just use that all the time if I had a plot hole. <laughs> like, no, no, you guys, you don't understand. It's totally going to be explained in, in another universe. Like, you're at fault here, not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, just be patient and listen to the yeah. story. Jeez, <laughs> I'll get to it. <laughs> That's your question. All right, so uh, Lane, I know now. See, we're so professional. We have this whole tapping system to make sure we don't talk over each other. It's not working, but we'll keep trying. (laughs) So, uh, Lane, what what got this project started, and where did Sable come from? Um, oh, I think uh, I started listening to Welcome to Night Vale the same time I started listening to audiobooks, and. Uh, it was more of the audiobook aspect of it that I was like, man, I could do this. Like, this seems, uh, it seemed fun. I would try it out. I didn't do anything with it for, geez, three years. Because I didn't have a thing that I was like, ah, oh, this is what I want to work on. This is what I want to put effort into. Um, as to where Sable came from, I don't know. Sable has just been, I call it my Franken story because... <laughs> I just pulled a lot of things from other stories that I had written and I put it in this, I'd like to think it's cohesive. I put, sorry, I put it in a cohesive uh, pot and started working on that. But, uh, and you know, uh, no, okay. I was wrong. There was a short story I was writing called Sable. Okay. That was uh, just the, entire premise in a six-page story so of course it didn't work (laughs) yeah that'd be very challenging to get to work in six pages but that definitely gives you probably gives you a good starting point uh because you you know i definitely any writer you kind of start off with the short form and perfect that and then move out to long form writing oh yeah actually it's, it's one of the things until i started working on this show i hated writing short stories because i was that guy that was like oh well I'll start off writing this. It's only going to be six pages, and then it becomes a 500-page thing that I don't know what to do with. But now that I'm working on a show that's long form, I love writing short stories because it's like, finally, I can just get a story done in five pages and just be done with it. It's a nice uh, relaxer in a way. Yeah, that was kind of the genesis for me as a writer that I had a hard time writing long. I was I was trying. I started off in film, so I started writing out longer form scripts, and I had the hardest time with that. And then when we did our web series, uh, Haunting Light, I the the beginning of that was I just started writing. Uh, I wrote this. I had an idea of of doing like a, a serialized story, and then all of a sudden I started coming out with these short ideas these short stories are just they were very random they were never cohesive but they were just all these very odd stories uh very twilight zone-esque that i just kept writing and writing and they just started coming out and i wrote like 10 of them in like two hours (laughs) and and then i just kept writing and i never stopped so it was kind of the beginning of me my writing is just i got so much satisfaction from completing a short story and be able to do it from start to finish, and then I would read it for Jeanette, and I'd see her reaction to it, and I kind of knew I was on the uh, on the right path because of that. Yeah, it, it's it's been a lot easier to show short stories to people than be like, okay, you gotta you know sit down for the next twenty hours and listen to what I've been doing. <laughs> Most definitely, only true friends will be like, all right, Lane, let's go for it. <laughs> Here's the thing. I have a lot of friends apologize to me for, oh, man, I haven't listened to your show. I'm so sorry. It's like, it's fine. I'm surprised anyone listens to it. We're not. I don't even 
I don't even listen to it after I'm done editing. I'm just okay. I've heard this for like the past three hours. Mm-hmm. It's good. And I'm you know, going. and it, and it's it's perfect. I don't mind. I don't mind any any little imperfections or uh, audio imperfections or any that audio, but more like uh, just you know, general little tiny flubs or whatever. It doesn't bother me at all. It doesn't take yeah. away from the story. It it feels more authentic. It's like going to the moth, you know, uh, s- story thing, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and just kind of listen to that one of those, uh, uh, you know, stories in person. Some people are really, you know, really great in person. But when you're, you know, you're exhausted, which I know, you know, I'm sure we're going to be doing tons of flubs on this show. Uh, when you're exhausted, <laughs> you know, things come out the way they do. And I, I think it kind of adds character to it anyway. So it's fine. Yeah, yeah. so we're we're really curious do you have all of this story like pre-written or are you kind of just like flowing with it Uh, oh that's cute uh no here's the um season one i don't um season one for me personally if people like it that's fine i i'm glad that they like it season one is a mess to me and i'm not selling this show very well um because be- when I it's started, a beautif- it's a beautiful mess. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> when I started the show, I had no idea what I wanted it to be, and in fact, I started the show out of like, if I don't do this, I'm never going to do it. Mm-hmm. So this has to be it. Like I just have to put a thing out there and hope that I enjoyed doing it. And I ended up enjoying it, but I had this mess. Like four episodes in, I was like, shit, what do I do with this? <laughs> Um, like there were, there are parts that I have planned out. Like I have the bigger points that I want to get to. They're there. I don't have a lot of the connective tissue. Uh, season three is actually the most notes that I've written and it's not even that much. I'm just like, Oh, I want to do something like this or I want to do something like that. And there, there have been times where I have completely written an episode, then the day before I'm recording, I'm like, I don't like this shit. I'm just going to rewrite it. <laughs> and I try to make it work. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. How often um, How often do you rewrite an episode before you just kind of go, all right, it's time to record? There, mm, it depends. Uh, there have been a few times where it's been, it's been a one and done thing and I'm, I'm good to go. There was, I'm trying to remember, there was one episode in particular that I rewrote five times because every time I would sit down to record it, I was like, nah, I don't like this. And then I would start going over and over and over again. So it depends. It depends on, uh, the subject. It depends on if I'm, if I think that like, there's not enough essential plot here. I have to fix that or I have to, you know, do something else to it. So, it depends. Usually, not more than two times. <laughs> and, so and, far, in, in regards to the the quality of the first season, I mean, uh, a lot of TV shows like the first season isn't the be- the best. Some people will you know try to pitch oh, yeah. a, a show to you and say, "Oh, you got to wait until three three seasons in that gets really good." And like, you got to <laughs> wait three seasons. I got to go with these hour long episodes. There's like fifty of them I have to watch before it gets good. Like that's that's a hard pitch. Whereas with Sable, I you know I think the the first episode definitely. I was trying to understand the tone until I was, I think by the time I got to the second episode, the tone really clicked because I really had no idea what I was in for. And it wasn't like I didn't enjoy it. It was just more confusion about what the tone is. And then once by the time we got to episode two, the tone started becoming more clear. And as season one progressed, the tone became more and more apparent. And I was to the point where we were both obsessed. We just had to just binge listen to the whole series. We, we oh, really awesome. did. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I heard him listening to it and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting, but I don't know what's going on. He's like, you're not going to start from the beginning. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then a day or four later, I wake up from a, from a sable coma and go, wait, what did I just listen to? <laughs> and, and, she's, see, and it was awesome. See, with her, it's a little easier with podcast stuff for her to jump in mm-hmm. uh, because she does art. She does, you know, illustrations and stuff like that. And so it's easier for her to kind of have something in the background uh, to kind of add some atmosphere. And so she's like, yeah, I'll mm-hmm. jump in. And she jumped in. And I was like, and next thing you know, she just disappeared for a whole day. <laughs> it was true. I'm like, I can't leave my computer. I need to listen to this story. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I think I think near the end of season one, I finally figured out what I was doing, in a sense. Uh, like, I'm, I'm definitely more proud of the end of season one than the beginning. 
But you're, you are right about the the first season not always being that great. I was actually someone that didn't think the first season of Breaking Bad was that great. Oh. And, you know, six. I watched all six seasons, and I freaking love that show. It's yeah. just that first season, I was like, oh, that's too slow for me. Yeah, I, I watched the whole thing. I can't say that I love uh, the choices of Mr. Walter White at all you know throughout the whole thing you know oh, yeah. but but definitely the show is enthralling i watched the whole thing start to finish and it's a it's a really it just really kicks you in the teeth constantly oh yeah uh, but it's an excellent show which uh, dad hasn't watched it at all spoiler alert i haven't watched any of it it's I'm not a really like, it's not right. it's not everybody's <laughs> cup of tea it gets I, really weird when aliens show up. I'll say oh that my God. much. I wasn't well, expecting see, if that. If there were aliens, I'd yeah. actually be interested. The thing with me <laughs> is if there's monsters, aliens, or something that probably shouldn't actually exist, I'm like, ooh, tell me more. <laughs> but if it's reality, I'm like, but this is real and people actually die. And, there's, and there's, then I get stressed <laughs> out. There's aliens. There's uh, flying pizza saucers. Yeah. Uh, oh my gets, gosh! Now I need to nuts. watch Breaking Bad. <laughs> there is definitely a flying pizza, though. This whole time, I thought <laughs> yeah. it was about dudes and yellow. <laughs> um, so at the beginning of this podcast, uh, we played a, a uh, I, I performed a piece of my own, uh, The Night Whispers, in which we try to do with every episode is to pair um, the episode with something that feels tonally similar to what the author that we're talking to is work, and uh, so it's called The Night Whispers, and it's about. Um, you know, somebody tra- – tra- it's a transformation piece uh, and it's about things where you don't really know what's going on. You don't – you know, there's a person that, that is mentally ill that has been committed early on in his life and then um, you he, – he's got these whispers in his ear and in his head and he doesn't know what's, the, what's going on. And, and uh, as things progress, uh, it starts to become more apparent whether it's all in his head or, uh, or if it's something that's real, which I think is very much a topic – uh, in your in your podcast in your in your narrative oh definitely um especially in season two there's a lot of questions about reality and what is real uh by the way i loved the story i i read it before uh i came on yeah uh, i don't i don't i honestly don't think i listened to your christmas uh, story which i have to i didn't listen to that episode actually i was nervous i was like i'm not listening to it <laughs> well you did say great story on twitter so <laughs> oh, wait maybe i did so, I, I think you read someone's i didn't read someone's i don't remember who's well, well there was an audio piece so like yeah yeah oh, oh yeah okay okay yeah, the story was up yeah it's all up there um, also, for listeners slash also Lane, if you hear a cat meowing, it's because Aris has decided that two hours from now is dinner time and she needs to remind us now. Um, so if you hear that, I'm <laughs> just letting you know. It's not time I, yet, Phoebe. I'm also worried that my, uh, for whatever reason, and I will, I this puzzles me to no end, I decided to set up my studio right next to a, a radiator. So I'm always in constant fear that that's about to go off. <laughs> that's okay. And, and so, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, we get, we get. I was hearing, I was hearing some kind of gonk in the background, but yeah, we get, we get that too. We get all sorts of little noises around here. It's not too, too bad. It's, it's better than in an attic in a Victorian house. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah, yeah, the the place we live in it was built in the 1800s. I think it was incorporated the same. It was built around the same time the incorporation of this town we live in. So. Oh, yeah, that's that's kind of the the same as where I'm living right now. This house has just been around, so it just it'll just creak in a way that I'm not used to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just say I'm adding atmosphere. I'm making this spooky. <laughs> well, maybe it's maybe it's supernaturally influencing your storytelling. <gasps> that's fine. Hey, that's fine if they're helping me. As long as they're helping me, they're not being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself as a writer and and, and your, up, your as you started to become more of a writer and and that journey and how has your writing style always been dark surreal of nature and and or is that something that has kind of come about over time? Um, I actually <laughs> this is so embarrassing when uh when I was a kid and we got you know it was at that time where it's like you only had one computer in the house and that was everybody's. Yep. I would spend my days 
writing Mega Man and Sonic the Hedgehog fan fiction. Nice. <laughs> Sweet. I would awesome. like to read that sometime. <laughs> if I if I only say if I only knew that I would be this now, <laughs> so I could share it to the people. But no, um, I don't know when I started getting into surreal horror. I was more of a fantasy guy. I grew up reading uh, stuff from Joe Abercrombie or uh, Tolkien, of course, um, and that was those were the kind of stories I wanted to write. They they still had you know a, a dark element to them. They were still depressing because I was a depressing emo kid <laughs> when Yay. I was writing them. Um, but I think it was after I started reading. Uh, of course, cliche H.P. Lovecraft um, and you know Brian Lumley, who I say is the H.P. Lovecraft if Lovecraft actually knew how to write. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Burn. Um, it's okay. I I love his imagination, but sometimes I just <laughs> I stare at a page for ten hours and I'm, what did you try to say here? Uh-huh. <laughs> I would I would absolutely love to hear a uh, Lovecraftian Mega Man story where like tentacles come out of his Mega Buster. That'd be excellent. So, so. Give me, give me 10. I'll write it on the show. Let's do this. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't really shoot people. He just absorbs them into his gun. So God, this is perfect. Okay. The next Halloween special is done. Nice. It's his way of becoming more human again. He's just absorbing. He's absorbing absorbing other people's people's souls. Exactly. There you go. (laughs) But it'll never be enough. (laughs) And then he absorbs Cut Man and starts cutting himself. Not a good time. Oh no! (laughs) No, you just brought that a really weird place. This got really. This got really dark. We were just having fun. (laughs) There were just tentacles, and now all of a sudden, it's really sad. That poor boy needs help. (laughs) Um, So now that Sable is less than a year old, um, have you found that just creating the podcast has actually changed your storytelling? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think um, think my writing has improved because of the show. Nice. Uh, I was was actually convinced for a long time that I was going to be an artist professionally. And writing was just a thing I did to make, you know, the comics. It was, oh, so, oh, because I did a really shitty webcomic five years ago. <laughs> Ooh, I need a link to that. <laughs> I'll send it. I have no problem sending it. Yes, please. It. Um, <laughs> nice. So, and, because I, I think I wrote a novel in high school, and I wish I could find it, because it was bad. <laughs> it was real bad. But, yeah, doing the show has changed my perspective on writing a lot and it's it's made me feel more confident about writing than i've ever than i've ever felt about uh art at all um and you know of course i've had some help from uh uh, people in the community but yeah i would say my writing has changed because of sable and i would hope it's for the better (laughs) i think it's grown a lot I was I was very impressed by it. Absolutely, I, I recommended it. I was actually at a, a a live event last night, and I was recommending it to everybody there. I was like, "You guys got to listen to this." Especially my friend, oh, <laughs> friend of holy mine, shit. Friend, a friend of mine who uh, writes a uh, a horror comic uh, called uh, Gore Shriek. Uh, I was telling him about that. I was like, "Oh man, you're gonna love this, man. You love weird weird stuff. You know, you're gonna definitely love it. It'd be a great inspiration while you're drawing because you, you know he just kind of gets in the zone with his drawing." Oh, well, thank you so much. That's touching. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> I'm also curious, how has, um, was your artwork always really dark too? Or were you like in the fantasy world with that too? Oh, no, that was, for some reason, that was always the dark, that was always the dark one. Uh, I, I had my grandmother call me, a, she was worried that I was a Nazi when I was 13 oh, because oh, she no. was like, he just draws skeletons. That's all he draws. <laughs> Because you can Skeletons find don't mean nuts. If you find Adolf Hitler's little notebook, that's all you're gonna find, right? It's just really, really well drawn. <laughs> Sad skeletons. skeletons. So, did you create the artwork for the uh, the season ep- for the season art? Oh yeah, that's uh, that's mine. Um, nice. Oh well, thank like you. <laughs> I'm always I'm always worried about them because I really liked the first one because yeah. the first one was simple. The second one I'm still not sure of. I still have issues with that one uh this new one though i was proud of I, um, this new one has a lot of like 
a lot going on in it. I really enjoy it because you've got that like skeleton face back. Cause, mm-hmm. But I love like your season one artwork is just powerful. It just like well, you thank can't you. not stare at it and go, what is going on? And are you going to eat me? <laughs> um, <laughs> that and, came from I was at, I was at work one day and I was just like, I don't know what I want the art for this to be. And I don't want to not have art for it. That seems wrong. So all through work, I neglected work because I was just designing this thing over and over again. So to hear that it to see people actually like it has been incredible. It's powerful. There's just something so just intriguing about it. And it it really works well with your stories, too. Oh, thank you. Uh, During one of your uh, podcasts, Lane, you talked about National Mental Health Day and your own personal uh, struggles. Do you feel your own personal demons are a part of what inspires the tone of Sable? Oh, definitely. I I would say so. Um, Yeah, a lot of my stuff actually comes from my depression. You know, art has always been the way for me to expunge some of that stuff. And I think I started leaning more towards horror the the worse that it got i would say mm-hmm. like it because it was such a good outlet to just get all your not only your anger and frustration but your fear out mm-hmm. and turn it into something solid and sable is at, at the root of it all it's my fear of whether or not there's a point of fighting the system or if you're always shackled to these, to like this reality, you know, like if everything is planned out or if there's a way to fight back against it. Mm-hmm. Which I, I think is an interesting tone. It's definitely the same thing for me. I mean, I had uh, my own personal trauma growing up and definitely, I mean, I always loved adventure and sci-fi and all that. So mm-hmm. it was definitely the beginning of my writing definitely started with, with horror because of what I went through personally. So I, I definitely related to that. And I thought it was very inspiring for you to talk about those things, about your own mm-hmm. personal issues. And also to, you know, that, that last bit where you were saying that, you know, uh, to pe- let people know that they're not alone, that they're not suffering alone, that there are other people that are going through similar stuff. So there are people to talk to and connect with. Yeah. I thought that was, I thought it was something that needed to be said. Cause I, you know, even though I'm only, I almost forgot my age. I'm 24. Maybe I'm maybe I'm actually 70. I don't know. <laughs> but I still grew up in that age of like, uh, you know, get over it. You know, like yeah. just stop stop being sad. That yeah. was the thing. It was you know, stop being sad because everybody else was happy, and that makes everything so much worse. Yeah. When you don't think you have someone to talk to, anybody, and just anybody that doesn't have any context has no idea where to even begin. yeah and just the weird stigma of like going to see a therapist or a psychologist it's like no don't try and get better just Just compress it it. (laughs) yeah just ignore it if you if you bury it deep enough you'll find sable i mean (laughs) (laughs) you know what hey wait uh kids if you're really depressed just keep it deep inside of yourself and one day you'll also make a uh somewhat successful podcast <laughs> Lane's one step plan to being successful. <laughs> Take all of your emotional trauma. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Hold it like a child. <laughs> Perfect. I'll never let you go. <laughs> oh, oh, don't do that. I'm I'm not I'm <laughs> I'm not a doctor. Don't listen to me. It's a very it's a very slippery baby and it might bite. <laughs> it, it will. It oh, it always bites. <laughs> Um, so along with, uh, your deep seated emotional trauma <laughs> or, or whatever you're drawing from, I'm what a also beautiful curious. way to put it. <laughs> Jeanette's very poetic I, or blunt. Take your, <laughs> take your option. It's like a, it's like a squeaky hammer that, that is very heavy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, how you always sad. <laughs> But uh, on, on the squeaky hammer of justice topic, um, where else do you draw your inspiration from? <laughs> um, I I always joke that 
my two biggest influences for Sable were Mike Mignola, uh, the creator of Hellboy, and Hideo Kojima, the creator of Metal Gear Solid. Nice. Nice. Because uh, I just love that Kojima was just like, no, I'm just... These are. This is my story. I don't care how fucking bizarre and weird it is. I'm just gonna tell it. And I I really appreciate writers that do that instead of the ones that are more reserved mm-hmm. and uh, like no I don't want to do this because it doesn't seem right and it's, it's fiction. Yeah. Do whatever you want. Yep. <laughs> uh, speaking of Kojima, we actually just uh, uh, interviewed uh, Cortland Gordon of the Oddest of the Odd that made the uh, you, you know the, the the Silent Hills. Uh, um, video game that got canceled recently. Oh, yeah, yeah, Well, the guys that made the uh, Silent Hills in real life YouTube video, I don't know if oh, you've seen it. They, they, yeah. they contacted us because they just made a second one, a part two, that's like 40 minutes long, and it's it's doing the uh, film festival circuit right now. So there you go. Oh, my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah. It has kind of that same, like, just disorienting uh feeling that like sable sometimes does where you're not quite sure which way gravity is going and then all of a sudden you're like keep running you're in danger (laughs) man if only my characters knew that just keep running (laughs) i'll send you a link to the second one so (laughs) oh please do i'm interested in i didn't i didn't know they made a second one until just now There you go. And so do you have a particular habit or routine you follow when you're getting ready to write? Um, no, I don't think I do. Uh, I just, it just sort of comes out. Uh, no, that was about to be a really dirty sentence. It just comes out of me. Um, <laughs> Everybody has their process. Yeah. <laughs> I take a lot of time before I, I write. I get a glass of Chardonnay, <laughs> sit in a bubble bath, and I uh, treat myself. No, um, I there there's a writer who I I really like, uh, Sam Sykes, who he was doing an interview and he explained his writing process as he didn't really do any rewrites, which I thought was insane. Like he you know he made a rough draft and he just sent it to you know the publishers and they published it Wow! and he explained it as like he would just he would write a paragraph or he would write a sentence or a couple and then he would walk away until he knew the perfect way to continue the flow of the story mm-hmm. and i kind of took that on because i thought that was a really cool way of writing so i don't think i've ever just sat down and 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 have had a script completed in one session. I'll I'll write for a little bit, and then when I start feeling like okay, the the magic or whatever you want to call it is leaving, I'll walk away. I'll take a walk or something. I'll mm-hmm. play a video game, and then I'll come back and, and finish it. And that seems to help me a lot personally. I know that's not for everybody. Uh, People who write a thousand notes before they even start writing are a treasure and they baffle me to no end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that any uh, one of the uh, writers I was looking into had, and, and I was getting some lessons and trying to figure out how to, how to approach writing had said that uh, if it's a great idea that it will stick with you and it'll still be there. You can you can walk away from it, come back and keep writing. But if it's not worth uh, your time, then you'll you'll probably forget it. Oh yeah, no, that's that's definitely the case for me. There have there have also just been times where um, I've thought of a really funny piece of dialogue, and I'll write that down, and then I'll come back to it once I decide it. Well, why would someone say this? Hmm. Like, um, there's I'm I'm writing a collection of short stories, and one of them, the idea of it came from I was making coffee. And I was just like, I wonder if anybody calls coffee bean piss. <laughs> Fair, question. Fair question. And so I just, I, I pulled out my phone, I opened Evernote, and I just wrote, um, you know, hey, waitress, give me some of that there bean piss. <laughs> and somehow it formed an entire story. That's I mean, that, amazing. You could probably get confused with maybe like the goop when you open up a can of beans. As being piss. Oh, I didn't even think no, about that. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, no. Oh, God. That's one of the weird beans you find in there, just misshapen. <laughs> You're like, I'm not eating this. This looks like a baby. No, thank you. Bean afterbirth at Walmart. 
all, all of your essential fluids in one can. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, fuck. Sorry. We're completely off the rails. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, this is where the podcast needed to go. Yeah. That's... <laughs> Very memorable. <laughs> Um, there is a motorcycle driving by. I don't. No one really hears these things. You know, like even when you tell me when I'm listening to to, to uh, Lane when I, I'm here. You know, you tell me when you're telling the audience Lane when you're doing your podcast. Like, oh, you heard that thing in the background. We really don't hear that thing in the background. It's so minute to us. Whereas you can, we can hear it in our space. Yeah. It's definitely not as as prevalent as everybody thinks it is when you're some sort of a noise in the background. Well, and the funny thing is, is I, I, I know that going in because like, I've listened to other podcasts where they do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh man, there's someone working in construction out there. And I'm like, are you crazy? I don't hear anything. <laughs> yeah. But still, if I make the slightest noise while recording, I'm just like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that you heard that. Yeah. Sorry that an inconvenient sound happened beyond my control. <laughs> I think it's just our habit now. Like we've been trained to just at least acknowledge everything and then move on. So, well, because I because I remember when because I and I'm so glad I can't find these files. But I used to do other podcasts when I was in high school that were the we're just going to talk about nerdy things for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and when I remember, like someone wanted to listen to them to give me pointers, and they were just like, "You have to make sure every." And they wrote this in like every word had a period after it. Every fucking sound you don't want in there has to be edited out. And I think that's why I had a fear of audio editing. Yeah. It was like, oh, God, I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, I can see where that would be really stressful. It's like, but I but I swallowed. And yeah, now yeah. I, I have to cough. Oh, my God. How do I do this? I Turn a, it off. <laughs> I took a breath. How do I? How do I edit that out? Oh, no. No one's supposed to breathe. (laughs) We're all in a vacuum. It's fine. Although I do it. I listen to myself in podcasts and I go, why do you breathe so heavy all the time? There's (laughs) – I I used to listen to a podcast called – it was Nerd Poker and it was guys playing D&D. And I remember they were talking about how heavy their breathing was. And I didn't notice it until – they mentioned it, and all of a sudden, yeah. every other, it's just... <gasps> yep. Darth Vader everywhere. <laughs> exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, and here's a dumb question for you, Lane, but I'm curious. There's no such thing. <laughs> How do you write? As in, with a pen and paper? Or <laughs> is it in Evernote? Or, like, what's your preferred method? It's mostly Evernote. Evernote has been a godsend to me. Like, I know I don't pay for it uh, because I think it's ridiculous what they (laughs) charge you for. Mm -hmm. But in terms of just I only need one on my computer and one on my phone, it works really well. Um, Because I work in a place where you can't really use your phones, I've been starting to to write with pen and paper, like notes. But my handwriting is atrocious (laughs) to the point where I don't even understand what I wrote sometimes. Oh, no. (laughs) Hidden code. It's like, when did I learn ancient Swahili? I don't know. <laughs> I feel the same way about my handwriting. I type everything out. I'm just so embarrassed. Yeah, I wish there were more opportunities for me to write out, like, professional things. Oh, type out professional things. I'm like, you really don't want to see what my hand makes. You don't. <laughs> Unless it's a drawing, then then that's fine. There you go. Yeah, somehow, somehow drawing is fine. Writing, on the other hand... It's like I speak in tongues with pen. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Lane, what has been the most rewarding part of creating Sable? Um, it's, it's been seeing a lot of people in, uh, minority groups saying how much they appreciate the show. Uh, I try to make it very inclusive. It's not perfect. And there are people who definitely do it better than I do. Mm Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely didn't want to go into this being like, it's going to be all straight people and, you know, because I'm not. And I, yeah. you know, didn't want to write that. So that's been rewarding. Uh, there's someone who writes – there are a couple people that write live reactions hmm. to the episodes that I find adorable. Nice. <laughs> I like those. Um, it It's – yeah, I think that's it. You know, it's having – 
you know, giving people something that makes them feel included and I guess giving people something that they're entertained by because I've always wanted to be an entertainer of some sort at the end of the day. I like I like making people happy because that's one of the few things that makes me happy, if that makes any sense. That yeah, make sense. it does make sense. Yeah. And I do love your your, your Twitter name is uh, Pansexual Pizza is awesome. Everybody, <laughs> everybody, everybody I mentioned I, that too just loves it. <laughs> I have not changed that for three years because I know for a fact I will never. That's my that's my tip. That's the, you know, that's the highest I will go in terms of clever. Hey, if you're gonna do it once, you might as well make it your Twitter handle. So I, people should just eat breadsticks. <laughs> Like, you know, cheesy breadsticks while they watch, while they listen to Sable. That's what should happen from now on. I think you should just eat cheesy breadsticks oh. forever. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a dietitian by any means, but. <laughs> More healthy fine. life choices brought to you by Elaine Lloyd. <laughs> uh, breadsticks and chocolate milk. That's the only diet you need. Perfect. Life will be long and delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, out of everything that you've done with Sable, what have you discovered to be the biggest challenge? Um, this is kind of a problem that I brought on myself, but uh, trying to find unique voices for a lot of the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to think I've done okay so far, but there are some times where I'm like, oh god, does this sound too much like... This other character, I'm kind of worried about season three because it's 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 more uh, female oriented, mm-hmm. and I'm worried that at some point all of my female voices are going to blend in. <laughs> you actually, as a female listener, I think you do a really good job with the female voices. You don't like get oh, them all goodness. like Mickey Mouse, <laughs> Minnie Mouse kind of thing going on. It feels natural. <laughs> it feels like you're just like telling a story and. Slightly raising your voice because that's the female version. Yeah, and just changing like or just adding like an accent or something like you, that. That yeah. all works for me fine because I it does it, it. That's what I think is like the most magical thing about Sable when you're when I'm hearing it is that I can totally discern one character from the next, no problem from the writing, and that and that's something that oh, awesome uh, really makes it a lot easier for me to follow because like I don't I don't and I'm like I'm always surprised like how much I don't need a lot of discernible voices that there's a few, you know, definitely when you have like a, a creature or something, you know, giving it a different tone, that's definitely cool or, but I, I really am really impressed on how I'm, it's very easy for me to discern who's talking without uh, any problems other than like when like there's like a little, like a little flub here and there where it's like trying to figure out the tent, like, like the, uh, the gender. There's one, yeah, part, yeah, there's yeah. one part where the gender would get like a little messed up, but it's like, it's like, it's like, I, I get it. I figure it out and I'm like, Oh, okay, that's fine. And I just get past yeah, I... it. I remember there was a point where I, I, when I was writing season one, where I didn't want to reveal yet that Crow was a woman mm-hmm. in in her past life. So there were a couple scripts, and I just it was one of those things I couldn't stop doing it. I would revert, you know, one paragraph. I would only refer to Crow as an it, and then I would would refer to it as a she, to the point where there were some people being like, "Are there two? crows right now in in this scene because you have one is this gender and one is the other one mm-hmm. i was like i it's it was just something i couldn't wrap my mind around you for know, some reason i actually thought that was a choice because you are so inclusive with some of like you know like the relationships that are happening they're so real it doesn't even like stick out to me like there's that one uh, particular story where you have the cop and then, you know, her wife and her daughter and they all live together. And it's like I, it just felt so natural that that was just part of the story to have Crow be this supernatural creature who isn't it is a she is a we're not really sure yet. It kind of just to me added as if the creature itself was in flux. Yeah, I I think I embraced that idea later on, but it did kind of come out it started as a fumble uh and then i think i started just i i revealed crow as a woman so i could stop making that mistake so much <laughs> it's like no she she's a she now like there you go <laughs> it's been revealed well uh thank you so much lane for being on our show yeah oh, thanks for having me and it was fun <laughs> awesome <laughs> 
And uh, where can people find you and where can they find your show, Sable? So you can find me on Twitter, and I have to I do this in my outro all the time, and I always forget my handles. Um, <laughs> you can find me at SablePod on Twitter, so that's S-A-B-L-E-P-O-D. Uh, you can also find the link to my personal Twitter account. I don't use that one very much, um, and if you don't like political rants, you might not want to go on there right <laughs> now. Uh, you can find me on Tumblr at, I, I want to say it's Sable Podcast. I'll send you guys the links if Yay, I'm wrong. links are great. <laughs> uh, we'll add them all to the show notes. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. And then on iTunes, you can find me at Sable. I think I'm the only show named Sable. I'm keeping my fingers crossed on that one. Uh, or you can find me at sable.libson.com if you want a website with all the episode links on it. And iTunes and Stitcher. Yes, and for some reason, I heart radio. Whoa, nice job. Because <laughs> they heart you, Lane. Aww. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for having for yeah, being on our show. You, Lane. This was oh, awesome. Thanks. Yeah, it was great talking to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys for listening to The Night Story. Uh, this has been Jeanette Andromeda, this voice in particular. You can't see it, but I'm pointing at my face. And if you want to talk to this face, you can talk to me on Twitter at horror underscore made. And I am Immortal Alexander. If you'd like to talk to me, you can find me at HTV Immortal on Twitter. Both of our shenanigans can be found on horrormade.com so you can read and see more of our stuff. And we wanted to say thank you to our sponsors, Rode Microphones. Yes, you're listening to us on the Rode Microphones right now. And you can go right to their website, rode.com, for all of your audio needs. All of them. If you need to hear it, Road can help you catch it. Have a good one, my friends. Oh, oh, and question of the day. This is very important. Lean closer into your headphones. If you were to suddenly sprout wings, what would you do? I'd go up. Okay, bye. <laughs> Insert wings flapping here. <laughs>